Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mula sa Quezon City, ako si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. By now you've seen or heard of the 2018 Program for International Student Assessment or PISA. The global study ranks Filipino students lowest in reading comprehension, second lowest in science and mathematics in the world. Numerous factors are at play in the country's poor performance in PISA. Among them is a student's socioeconomic status. Andreas Schleicher highlights this key finding from PISA 2018. And the reality is that in many countries, the zip code still remains a powerful predictor for the success of students in schools. So countries need to work harder to attract the most talented teachers to the most challenging classrooms. In France, in Germany, Hungary, Israel, Peru and the Slovak Republic, the gap in reading between the 10% most advantaged and the 10% most disadvantaged students was equivalent to well over four school years of schooling. But some social scientists argue that the PISA test is not necessarily an accurate barometer of a country's educational standing. And the main problem is, is that the PISA report doesn't really do a good job of trying to tease out the causal relationships between the policy uh, characteristics that they highlight and the student outcomes. It's basically filled only with high-level correlations. So they, they draw a couple of correlations between average student performance and a specific characteristic. So policymakers take this to be evidence for what they should do. Journalists take that as evidence for what the country should do to improve performance as well. 79 countries participated in the program for international student assessment, with four cities in China topping all categories. This was the first time for the Philippines to have its students take part in PISA. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development tested around 600,000 15-year-olds from 79 countries. We spoke to Carlo Fernando, an ambassador of Teach for the Philippines and senior lecturer in UP Diliman. We asked Carlo, are we investing enough on education and are we investing on the right things? Well, the amount of funds invested per student is not the main issue here. It's really how the funding is being spent. For instance, when in one report given by McKinsey, the Philippines spends less than 1,000 U.S. dollars per student, similar to other nations such as Moldova and Jordan. However, both of these countries, Moldova and Jordan, actually perform way better in comparison to the Philippines. Similarly, the Philippines spends as much money in comparison to Ghana and El Salvador. However, both Ghana and El Salvador actually perform way worse. So in the Philippines, most of the funds for public expenditure is actually sent to the Department of Education. However, there are different 
sources. So there's the funding from the DepEd, the central office. And then there's funding primarily managed by the schools division offices, also under the Department of Education. And we also have the special education fund managed by the local government units. So there are cases where in these different types of managers are actually not having an alignment when it comes to the expenditures that they actually receive. Carlos says there are some obvious things we should be looking at or investing in. So I guess the quickest way for us to improve the quality of education is to establish a robust monitoring and evaluation system that actually makes sense of quantitative data. So the National Achievement Test is not only measuring the level of math scores or the level of English scores or science scores of um, students within a particular school, but it also somehow predetermines whether schools receive funding whether teachers receive bonuses. And so at the end of it all, given some of the backlogs that we need to really resolve when it comes to delivering timely assessments to our kids, such that teachers actually know where to really target the learning competencies, um, which learning competencies they should really enhance. As we said, this is the first time for the Philippines to take part in PISA. But why did it take so long? It takes a lot of guts, really, to expose how programs and policies actually impact the learning of the kids. And so I guess this is the time that we have actually invested in participating in in PISA, primarily because of the leadership that we have of both the current and the previous leaders that we have in the Department of Education. And also, PISA is highly political. This is another thing that we try to somehow remedy and really communicate to different stakeholders that the results of the PISA could could also be politicized. Opening ourselves up to the standardized assessment could potentially be politicized by other leaders in the future. You know, saying that we should invest in more classrooms or in more textbooks. As a teacher, Carlo has his own personal insights on why the Philippine education system is falling behind. Having taught in a public school for two years and also con- continuously supporting the public education system as a consultant to the local government of Quezon City, I think the biggest challenge that we have still is the mindset towards students, particularly students who are bucketed under the last section or the students in row four, labeling them as students who are bobo, students who are tanga. Because this is also reflected in the PISA reports that students actually have a poor sense of growth mindset. It's somehow very challenging to, to change. It's not only me who constantly need to say to my kids that you are good, that you can perform well. It's also the parents who have kids who are being sent into these, quote, last sections, unquote. If the quality of teachers don't actually change, then I guess the quality of learning doesn't also follow to that kind of achievement. Speaking of education in the Philippines... But there's still more than the access problem na pinoproblema ng government ngayon. May mga deeper issues tulad ng quality of education. The Usapang Econ podcast has released a new episode on education in the Philippines.
Among other things, economist J.C. Punong Bayan and Mayan Vital discuss if more years in school would necessarily translate to better students. Around 13 years na yung sinasabing average years of schooling ng Pilipinas. But based on a World Bank study, the level of learning ng average Filipino student ay 8 years lang. So in other words, Mayan, hindi porke nasa school ka ay... Natututo ka kung 12 years or 13 years kang nasa school, pero yung katumbas lang nun pala ng natutunan mo ay 8 years lang. Tama ba? As you can imagine, JC and Mayan have many more things on their minds. Catch the rest of their podcast on Puma Podcast. That's the Usapang Econ Podcast. World leaders are meeting in Madrid for the COP25 Climate Change Conference. Around 25,000 people from 200 countries are in Spain. They include heads of state, business leaders, scientists, and activists. COP25 stands for the Conference of Parties. That refers to the Conference of Parties to the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. The summit hopes to make sure that the Paris Agreement to keep global warming well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels is being kept. But since 2015, progress has been bleak and the world is now 1.1 degrees warmer than it was at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. The gathering in Spain is the last meeting of the 200 nations before 2020. That's the year when the Paris Agreement comes into effect. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says global warming could pass the point of no return. Until now, our efforts to reach these targets have been utterly inadequate. Public opinion is waking up everywhere. Young people are showing remarkable leadership and mobilization. More and more cities, financial institutions and businesses are committing to the 1.5 degree pathway. What is still lacking is political will. Global financial markets have gone into a tailspin over concerns that the U.S.-China trade deal may face further delays. This week, U.S. President Donald Trump said the trade deal could wait until next year. I have no deadline, no. In, in some ways, I think it's better to wait till after the election for the China deal. But they want to make a deal now, and we'll see whether or not the deal's going to be right. It's got to be right. Stock markets all over Asia dropped, hitting their lowest since October. But stocks soon rebounded on Thursday over renewed hopes that the two economic giants could get closer to a near-term trade deal. Now, of course, we can't ignore the Southeast Asian Games. The Philippines, the hosts, have been raking in medals in the 30th Sea Games. Siege Tantenko from Go Hard Girls gives us the highlights of what's going on so far. The Philippines continues to lead in the Sea Games medal tally with more than 120 medals already in the bag. 2016 Olympic silver medalist Haidilin Diaz took home her first SEA Games gold, lifting 91 kilograms in the snatch and 120 kilograms in the clean and jerk. Meanwhile, 2020 Olympics-bound gymnast Carlos Yula concluded his run with two gold and five silver medals. Wushu athlete Agatha Wong also bagged two gold medals and the Philippines got a perfect one-two finish in both men's and women's triathlon. In Thirxi basketball, Gilas Filipinas women brought home the Philippines' first ever gold medal for women's basketball. 
while Gilas Filipinas men made it a double gold. The Philippines' quest for glory continues with fans glued to ongoing competitions like 5-on-5 basketball, softball, ice hockey, and volleyball. That was Siege Tantenko from Go Hard Girls. That's a podcast produced by Puma Podcast. In the latest episode of Conversations with Randy David, Randy David gets music lessons from Contragapi founder Edru Abraham. An idiophone is an instrument where the body itself is the resonator. Keep in mind that we're talking about sound materials, sound makers. And there are three factors. Force applied to an object, Mm -hmm. amplified. In the case of an idiophone, the force, which is the stick. That's what they use in the cordillera. That's right, the gangsa. Gangsa. You apply a stick on the gong. Okay. And then, of course... And then there's the sound. Right. But the gong itself is the resonator. In it, Abraham gives a crash course on musical instruments in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia, giving us an insight on how these instruments connect to us as people, as a society, as a community. Fascinating stuff. Catch the full episode of Conversations with Randy David on Puma Podcast. At yan po ang Puma Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review or a thumbs up or a like. That really helps us a lot. And please do tell a friend. You can also email us at pumapodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Maraming salamat po. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.